Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson, and today we have a really great story of someone that was in their nine-to-five and went through a journey starting working nights and weekends and had passion and had conviction and turned it into a very successful real estate venture. And it's pretty short of remarkable of what you can do when you put your mind to it. And guys, I want to tell you right now, I've taken about a month and a half off the podcast and I apologize for everybody that, that likes to listen to me every week. But man, sometimes you need just to hit a reset button. And I, and I did, I, I needed to hit that. So I went away for just a little bit, but I am now coming back with a passion. I'm excited. We've got lots of good guests coming. We've We've got some good content coming as well, but I want to really take a minute and let you guys know if you're looking for a three-day training event, if you're really wanting to move to that next level of raising capital and raising it the right way. I mean, so many people that I know are pulling down their pants and giving away so much of their equity because they've been taught this 70-30 or 80-20 split that I think ruins what's in it for the GP. Our three-day intensive Kahuna boardroom is now open. We're going to be having a meeting February 16th through the 18th. It is a three-day intensive, and I'm telling you, it is by far the best event that I know in multifamily real estate teaching from A to Z all the things in between. So how to raise money, how to find deals, and really how to raise money the correct way, how to operate, how to do the way I see it the way multifamily should be done, focusing on you, the GP, right? I believe we owe our capital a solid return, but I'm going to show you how to find capital cheaper than anybody else is currently doing. I know this because I speak on it. I go to conferences. I'm a disruptor. And if that's you listening right now, you're either very successful in your single family, fix and flip, or just real estate investing, but you want to level up to the multifamily side. If you are high income earner or just very successful at what you've done and you want to get out of your nine to five, or maybe you're a business owner, but you're tired of paying taxes and you want to get into something that is going to give you some tax benefit. I'm telling you right now, multifamily is a beautiful thing. I've not paid taxes in like four years. I'm living my best life. And so if I can help uncover some magic for you, and I know you'll get a lot of magic out of our event, go to kahunaboardroom.com. Again, kahunaboardroom.com. And I promise you, I think it'll change your life. I know it's changed mine. Multifamily has changed mine. Not to mention just the contacts that you're going to get. Like most people that show up to our event, we only allow 60 people, by the way, only 60, we'll say 65. I've capped it off at 65. But And the reason for that small number is we want to make it intimate, by the way. I want to get to know you. I want you to know me. Um, We deal partner. We do things with this group. The group is special. So if that's you, I highly recommend go to kunaboardroom.com. Now, to get back to our guest, Rama. Rama is going to have a wonderful story of how he took his journey from IT and really just coming into the country. He immigrated into the country. It's a really neat story. Lots of little nuggets. We I help unpack his story really well, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So guys, let's get to it. Hey, Rama. Welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? 
Yeah, I'm doing great, Corey. Nice to connect with you. Thank you for this opportunity. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to bring Rama in his story because everybody's got a journey. And guys, if you're listening right now, I want you to make sure you pay special attention because everybody has a specific journey on how they get to be successful in this thing called multifamily real estate. And everybody's journey is a little bit different and unique. And there's nuggets and golden nuggets and opportunities and some t- strategic takeaways that Rama's going to share with the way he did it. And so really pay attention. But Rama, would love for you to kind of give everybody a little bit of your backstory, who you are, and let's jump into your stories in particular. Yeah, thank you. So basically, I came from India in 2007. So on IT side, 15 plus years and started investing into real estate from 2014-15. So initially invested into residential and uh, townhome style, then and export into multifamily space, like initially invested in passive deals, then shifted towards active role like a GP and uh, working on multiple deals. Yeah, that's the fast version, but I know that there was a, probably a lot of pain and uh, discovery in between. So let's kind of unpack that. So you start off in IT, immigrated to our country, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, that's correct. So that's a big thing in itself just to get here, right? Yeah. Study, and then now you're in the IT world. What was it that you didn't love in the IT world that made you think about real estate? So yeah, IT like I worked in IT 15 plus years, but I didn't really like my job progress point of view. That is not my passion. So then I explored multiple options outside of you know, IT career. So then I found real estate. Is, I found some passion in real estate. And How did you find real estate? So yeah, I was reading books and also one of my friends, he was trying to invest in the residential outside of his state. So that's how I found about real estate and explored a little bit more about real estate. Yeah. So the IT job wasn't giving you the American dream, right? Yeah. Of time and money. And so you're like, this is a job just over broke. And so you decided like, I need to figure out something else, found some books, started reading things about real estate and that intrigued you, right? And you had kind of a friend or a mentor along the way. Correct. Yep. Okay. So from there, you're like, okay, I'm going to make some moves into the single family arena. Tell me a little bit about that. How did you kind of get your first deal done there? Yeah, so first deal, I was in like Wilson, North Carolina. So I think I saw this deal in like, not in a paper publication that in weekly ads, they will publish these real estate deals for sale. That's how I found that my first deal is small deal. I mean, deal location, very less price, Yep. small property. So I went for that because it's a low price and I didn't care about in our location, those kind of stuff. You're like, I don't care. It's in the war zone. Fine. No problem. It's real estate. I'm going to buy it, right? Yes. How did that first deal turn out? So I think I learned a lot from that deal. Profits, my capital point of view, but you know, from lessons learned. So I learned a lot from that deal. So you break even almost probably a little bit, made a yeah. little bit of money. Did you make a little bit of money? Yeah, I make a little bit money, but I learned a lot. But you learned a lot of lessons, right? Yes. So the main lessons are like investing in right location is very, very important in real estate space. So doing your due diligence, finding right tenants and creating tenants, those kind of stuff, very, very important. Did you create that as a rental or did you create it as a fix and flip? Or rental. Rental. Yeah. Right. So you already went into that space thinking, I'm just buying rental properties. I'm going to fix them up to what they need and put tenants in there. So you're learning landlording as well, right? Along the way. Yes, that is a lot of lessons in short stages. I didn't do proper screening for first tenant. There's a lot of challenges with rent collections and, you know, 
What money did you use? Was it your own money at that point? Yeah, I used my own money. Okay, so you're doing that, the single family side. Do you start to scale it a little bit? Were you starting to get kind of some traction and starting doing some more and more? Or what did that look like? Yes, I did a few more deals. I invested in one deal, townhome style deal in better location. So investing in better location, always good. Same time, I invested one in the small deal. So no bad location, another deal in good location. I made good profit from a better location deal, but I learned lots from bad location. Right. You learn everything not to do on the bad one, right? Sometimes those are the lessons you got to get, right? Yeah. Uh, we write that down. The biggest part of the whole story right here so far is you took action. Most people are going to talk about real estate theoretically. Yeah. Some people like Rama decide to engage and put it in first gear and step on the gas. And then you start breaking stuff and that's where you start learning how to fix things and how to become a better operator. Yes, totally agree on that. If I didn't start it, I was not in this position, right? So yeah, you have to take action and doing things and then you learn a lot from the by doing taking action and implementing and taking to next level. So when you were doing the rehabs for those projects, were you doing that yourself or were you hiring that out? I hired contractors for doing stuff. Did you make any mistakes there? That part I did good job. So ask a referral. So you got you got good referrals? I think there is one electrical side. I didn't do a good job there with you know, some cheap option. So going with cheap option is not good. So, you know, yeah. I look for well, But that's good though. So, I mean, like, did you lean on your friend that would already had, did he already have some crews or did you have to self-select these crews yourself? I got the report from property management company. So I was renting okay. that renting. So the property manager shared me reports. So I use those. Oh, hey, that's really good. So he's already renting. So he's like, hey, I'm going to go talk to my property manager to see if they got any good subs in the area of people that I can use. That's genius. Yes, definitely. That's quality reports. Yeah. Oh, that's really awesome. Hey, that's a good one, by the way. If you need referrals in a marketplace, you can go talk to different property management companies. Or if you're in that market, go and visit these properties, your comps, and ask property managers, hey, who's your best tile guy? Who's your best carpet guy? Who's your best flooring guy? Who's your best plumber? Yeah. You will soon have a list of all the contractors that are probably already conditioned to be the right pricing. Yes, totally agree. You'll get a lot of better options than just running, going to some type of website and trying to find a contractor that was good enough to put a website or something, right? Yes. Beautiful. Love it so far. Now, I'm helping you guide through this because I just find this stuff really fascinating. Everybody's journey is different. What point did you really start to think about the multifamily side? When did that enter your equation? So, yeah. So, after doing a few deals and, and also I was full-time on the IT side. So, it takes a lot of energy and time to do these multiple deals in the single family side and managing yourself has a lot of effort. Finding new buyers if, if you're trying to do fix and flips, if you're managing yourself for rental properties and also you need to find all these contractors, those kind of stuff. So it was taking a lot of oh, you know stress. So then I thought of I need to look for different options. So then Is this after a year into it or how much time has gone by when you start really kind of saying, Oh, the single family game is not exactly how I think I want to play it. Yeah it took a couple of years i can say couple years yeah yeah couple of years then i explored and somehow i found peter Hattie's book commercial real estate book i read that book and then i explored in google so then i found bigger pockets so then i did a lot of research from commercial aspects which asset class is best so and evergreen which works all times 
and I found out multifamily is the best option. So everyone needs a roof and you know, always there is demand, population, there is a lot of demand for rental properties and populations keep on going, growing, right? So then I started and listen in other podcasts and reading a lot of books and started attending conferences. All right. So let me unpack that for a minute. So I want everybody to hear exactly what he said, because there's clues that Rama just gave us for a lot of people that are probably maybe listening to this podcast and saying, man, I really want to, I think I want to do multifamily investing, right? If you look at what he just laid out, so he was in the single family side saying that I was doing this and I realized that I couldn't scale it because I'm already working his nine to five. He's got his IT job and he's like, like, I'm doing a lot of work. I'm working all the after hours putting this thing together. And I'm like, man, I'm looking down the road. They're like, it's going to be exhausting to get there. So he actually looked for speed. So then he read some books. First of all, readers are leaders, guys. And if you're not reading books about what you want to do, you're going to get left behind so there's lots of knowledge in that stuff right so yeah. Rama, you went and first sought out some books and just and you read a book that really touched you yeah so then from that and what was that book called again peter harris commercial real estate book okay beautiful we'll make sure we put that in the show notes but that book was then kind of a road forked at that point yes that changed my mindset yeah see there's a stretch that usually happens yeah when you really find something like ah wait that's new information and you put it through your synthesis and you said, this actually looks like it takes, this is ex- more what I'm looking for, Yeah. right? Well, then you went back in and did more deeper dive because what you started, you said like, then I started looking, I found bigger pockets. You started consuming mass content about the space, right? Yeah. You just thought it's commercial at this point and then you're going on the journey to find out that it's actually apartments that make the most sense in your opinion, yes. right? Based on all the research that you did. Correct. And I'm going to give it to you because you're in IT that you know how to do research. So uh, most guys in IT know how to do research, by the way. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're making some logical connections here, right? Yeah. I'm a little bit different brain probably than an IT guy, right? But IT guys are logically, you're really looking for those steps that make sense, I would think, right? Yeah. And all your pieces are starting to line up where now it's emphatically clear that it is the multifamily side. Yeah. Now you're ready to go start taking action. Yeah. Let's continue. Because so from there, at that point, you now you've gotten and you've went to some webinars, you went to some trainings, some education at this point. Yes. I listen like a lot of podcasts like yours and I started attending virtual conferences and also joined mastermind groups for doing all this stuff. Then at the same time, I started doing action. I learned about market cycles, learned about commercial brokers and you now reaching commercial brokers and you know, identifying property managers, those kind of stuff, doing all this stuff. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Identify your markets, right? You started taking a plan. You had a plan of action. You're like, okay, I got to start getting some deal flow. I got to start looking at deals, finding potential opportunities, go talk with the brokers, right? Yeah. Building that relationship with the brokers and touring the properties and underwriting the deals, learning underwriting and those kind of stuff. How did you get better relationships with brokers, right? What specifically did you do there? So mainly like calling brokers and sharing my investment criteria and also, you know, underwriting once I received deals from 
brokers underwriting the deals and sharing the feedback to them and responding to their feedback keep on underwriting more deals and touring the properties and sharing the feedback that's how i build the relationships sharing the feedback guys write that down right underline it circle it look at it put it on a, a special notepad sharing the feedback what ramas just said right there is essential for any type of broker meaningful broker relations yeah totally agree because at this point if you don't separate yourself from all the rest of the people that just take 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 and you don't give any feedback the brokers think that well you don't exist now let's talk about the feedback is it always great or because most deals don't pencil right yes so initially most deals penciled out because like mostly initial level you will not get good deals mostly you know on market deals will get so most of them like if you if you underwrite 100 deals maybe one deal might work one or two deals 100 deals to find one by the way there's a ratio that's probably almost really very accurate by the way yeah right and so this is lots of nuggets when you think about it right yeah because the goal is not to just hopefully get a great deal from somebody you're trying to get on the inside circle where you get an off-market deal real deals yeah at this point if you're on a list and you're just getting them sent to you automatically you're probably not on the inside circle right rama yeah that's totally correct how did you get on the inside so when did you know that you were in the inside circle with some of these brokers so yeah it takes time but you no know, i keep underwriting deals keep touring the properties and submitting lois so after submitting few lois i was in best and final then that time onwards our brokers start believing a little bit more but they still, they didn't awarded me deals. After a few LOIs, then they awarded me one deal. It takes time to build that credibility. And once we close the deal, then definitely will be in their inner circle. And the closing deal is very, very critical. So then you will build that credibility and then they will share pocket listing stuff. Bingo. So there you go. So you've got to work, work, work. And it's kind of hard. You got to work really hard to, I think, find your law. The first deal is always the hardest because no one believes you can't, right? Yeah. All the brokers are suspect, even though you tell a good story, a good game. But when you do get one locked up, because you'll get one eventually, right? You just have to be consistent just like Rama is. And then once you close though, it's like putting all the brokers on notice. They will know in a marketplace, all the brokers will know you closed that deal. Yeah. They'll know it, right? Yes. And everything changes at that point, right, Rama? Yes. The outlook will change. Suspect to now positive way. Brokers will say positive way. This guy is closer. He can close the deals. He can close the deal. He can transact, which is, and all they really care about is their paycheck, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> they just want to get that paycheck. Yes. It's for everyone, right? Yeah. Because brokers work for free until you close. So, and think about how many people waste their time by not closing or being untruthful or not being able to go all the way. And which happens all the time, by the way. Correct. So, Rama, for everybody that's listening right now, that's a lot of insight on this is the correct way the game is played. Build relationships, give feedback, okay? stay consistent. Consistency is what I keep hearing, Rama, yeah. is you're like, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Not going to too emotional, not too high, not too low, right? Yes, totally. Yeah, you need to do complete. So, when you got the first deal, how did that feel like? So, when you went under contract to finally make it the best and final, and then you got awarded, what happened in that moment for your very first deal? The very first deal is always important. Yes, definitely winning that first deal is very, very important. Then I explored with partners. I looked for experienced partners in this market and to leverage their expertise, mainly like asset management and building that KP and capital. Okay. 
So wait, hold on. You just said, don't want anybody to miss it. You went on your journey and you realized, uh, hey, I need to build a team, right? I mean, I have all the KP that I need to get a deal bought or be able to get it financed by a lender. You got to have financials and statements and all that stuff. And you also needed someone that had really operating experience. So you built a team. Yeah. And were you the one that was doing most of the work though, trying to find and do the deals or were they all doing it together? Yeah, so mainly like, I'm into, you know, acquisition side, finding deals, all the, you know, touring the, that property. Yeah. At this point, I'm working deal by deal basis with an experienced partner. So yep. mainly I'm involved in acquisition. It's not the same person every time. So you're, you're looking for, hey, I, who do I have in my network that I know that yep. we can put this deal together, yep. right? But you're in control because it's your deal that you're finding. Correct. Right? Yeah. And that's key, guys, by the way. So there's lots of ways to do this deal, but he who finds the deal and puts it under contract controls the deal and can control the partners, by the way. You want to be kind of the puppet master, right? In other words, if you're in there, then you can say, okay, here's what I need. Then you start bringing on your other pieces that you need to be able to complete the deal. Yeah. So tell us about the first deal. How many units was it? What was the price? So it's a 64 units deal. It's in Charlotte, MSA. And we purchased like 80K per unit and it's coming around 5.125 million. 5.2K. How much money did you have to raise? It's like almost so 1.72 million raise. 1.7? 1.9 around that range okay 1.9 that's a decent size raise right out the gate first one right yeah. and how much earnest money did you have to put down so it's one percentage emd i think around 60k 60k oh that's really good yeah right now was that 60k your money or was it someone that you brought into the deal to do it yeah it's partners so all together we shared that risk risk capital okay again so like this is the art of the first deal guys i'm seeing and hearing Rama is being super, he is sharing the wealth. He has really good at building a team because that's sometimes like sharing the risk, sharing the risk capital, right? Yep. That's your earnest money. You could lose it all. Yeah. And so he built together the team to said, okay, here's what we're all going to do. We're all going to chip in and here's what everybody's going to bring to the table. Yes. All right. So now you've got it under contract. Now the real work begins. What kind of offering did you create here? Was it a 506C or 506B offering? Yeah, it's 506B. Okay. B means that you can't go out and, and advertise it, right? It's more word of mouth. You got to have pre-existing relationships with people. Yeah. So you've been building up a database as well, probably. Plus you and your team know people right Correct. yeah so how did you go out and market it for the capital how did the capital raise go was it hard was it did it go f better than expected we leveraged with an experienced partner so we raised most of the capital for this deal okay beautiful so you found an experienced person that already knows how to raise money yeah brought them on your team right and did they get a pretty good split for that yeah usually a lot of it right usually yeah. what happens is they get a he who brings the capital guys by the way is becomes like the godfather <laughs> right yeah they usually want the most peace deal because raising money is not easy and it's an acquired skill yeah but here yeah rama is like i'm getting in a deal like i already know i'm seeing the value of actually compounding your efforts right now right yeah it's one to many and you're actually smart to say i'm not even saying that i've got to be the guy i just need to be the guy that can find all the guys yep i just got to be resourceful Correct. Exactly. So, yeah. So I just want to add one point here. Like if you think about how, how, if you ask questions of who can help you, who can leverage those kind of questions, they will navigate you into the right direction. Yeah. And you found all these people by networking your butt off, right? Correct. 
bigger pockets, all the events, the online events, the all the things you could get yourself into and meeting people in context. Yes, conferences and also, you know, through my podcast also. I interviewed a few, you know, partners into my podcast. Okay, so even before you're really successful, you've got a podcast going. Yeah. Right? Bingo, right? Hey, guys, listen, I'm telling you, you should start a podcast, even if you're just thinking about it, because it just gives you a platform. And there's people that will listen to you. In the beginning, maybe not as many, but like you do it long enough, just like this podcast. When we first started, it was new. Now it's a lot more seasoned, right? Yeah. And honestly, I've taken the last month and a half off. So I've been on it for three years. I took a month and a half off from my podcast just because I wasn't getting juiced for a bit, right? Yeah. But I'm back and I'm juiced. I'm excited to tell some stories that I, I believe are coming down the pipe too. Like some really good stuff's coming because valuation's changing. Yep. Right? Pricing's changing. Everything's changing right now. Yes. And changing markets, opportunity. Yes. So Rama, you go and get this first deal done. How does it feel, man? Yeah, feeling great. So the feeling like feeling up. Don't get too excited, by the way. <laughs> but give it to me. Come on. Yeah, definitely awesome experience and feeling of, you know, I can do this one, that kind of feeling. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Yeah, but now that probably the next fear happens is like when you bought it and you closed, that's great. How long have you been operating this deal? Do you guys still own it or did you guys exit already? Yeah, so we were still owning it. So we know that some problems with this deal, you know, before purchasing it, some property management issues. Previous owner was out of state. So we know that issues and we now stabilize the property and we are going in the right direction. Yeah, so people don't actually understand this sometimes. That's where the real work gets done. And no one will talk about this, by the way, is that a lot of deals are not as profitable as they were when you put it on paper initially. They're just not. Cash flow gets sucked. You start getting, because you're dealing, it, it usually has to get worse before it gets better. Especially if you start bringing in, like, think about this. You had crappy management that didn't care, right? And where the tenants are training the owner, and then finally you buy it. You're like, nope, we're going to hit new regime. First of all, we got to hire and fire the property management. Or you may have thought you could use that property management. Then you brought a new property management company in there. And then you have people turn, turn people leave, some people stay. I mean, that's, that's usually a, the scenario. And then you bring in, finally, when you get the right management company, a backbone. They stand up and they say, we're not going to do this. And we're going to only do this. And we start training tenants. Tenants start to leave because they realize that being late every so often or habitually late ain't going to work for us anymore. So any of that kind of stuff happened to your property? Yeah, totally agree on that one. So yeah, it'll get better. <laughs> we didn't even talk about this, but it's the story of every property that I've ever bought. So yeah. And so going through that, what kind of lessons did you learn there, Rama? So definitely don't assume anything and always be proactive in mainly asset management side. You need to track and ask the right questions every day, every week, week calls, set up the things. And so go through, you know, each and every line item. 
It is okay to be a micromanager at this point, guys, is what I'm going to tell you, right? Believe it or not, no management company will ever care about your property more than you will. And that's just the truth. But And not all management companies are created equal, but it's really holding uh, management accountable. Wouldn't you say, Rama? Yes, totally. To your expectations. And so if you are not on top of that, then they will just do whatever they think is best. And a lot of times they're not thinking like you would think. Most of the times they're thinking of like, oh, well, we don't care about how much things cost. We just want to get it done. And we're like, well, we want to get it done, but we want to get it done at the right price. Yeah. Two different ways of thinking, right? Yeah. And that's usually the rub, right? Is like, oh, well, we just called the HVAC company. We're like, well, don't we have HVA certified guys on property? Yeah. Well, then why are we ordering, like, just order the AC and have these guys install it? We don't need to have a third-party company come and do it for twice the cost, right? Or, yeah. I mean, I've seen that happen all the time. Just things like that just drive me mad. Right. Or, oh, well, we didn't hire any HVAC certified guys, right? Like, our maintenance supervisors doesn't have his license. I'm like, why would you hire him then? And these are things that I deal with. So these are problems I have too, by the way. That's exactly where I'm at. One of the probably problems I have right now in my portfolio. And we've mandated that all maintenance supervisors have to have their HVAC certs. Basically, there's two certifications they have there. One is to be able to get free on, and then the head maintenance guys have to be able to work on ACs because that's a huge expense. Yep. And so I'm going to give my little nugget here, just I'm going to little plug it. But how do you find these guys? Sometimes if you're having a hard time in markets finding the right guys, call and establish a relationship with, there's usually a Votech place in every city that teaches and trains these people. And so you go make a relationship with the school and the school will help place you, right? Yep. That's a pro tip, by the way. Yeah, Anyways, definitely. I just wanted to give that out. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> We're doing this right now. And because our management company says, well, let's place an ad in the deal. and But no one's answering the ad, right? We're like, oh, God, it's just exhaustive. So we're like, all right. We're done waiting on that to happen. Let's just be proactive. And that's the first thing that we did. We're like, oh, now we're already getting three, two or three candidates coming. Just like that. You know, they've been waiting three months. We're like, we handle it in two days. Relationships, people. <laughs> okay. So after you've done with that group, so from there, Rama, where do you go? So you did your first deal, right? Like, how did you take and leverage that out to other people and to other groups? So yeah, definitely that experience helps deals are finding partners and finding opportunities, I can say. So for next one, I'm raising capital for another deal. So it's out of Houston. I'm helping with another sponsor there. But my strengths are at this point sourcing deals and underwriting deals or management and raising some capital. But I'm keep looking for deals, better, bigger deals, like 100 plus units and also you know, class B properties, uh, C plus uh, North Carolina, South Carolina markets. That's what I'm doing. So I'm keep underwriting, keep actively looking for deals, you know, keep building that relationship, more brokers, more number of brokers. Yeah. And what do you see on the horizon? What are you seeing right now with deals and brokers, right? Do you feel like, is it softening up any, in your opinion? So yes, a little bit, not as much. Not quite there yet, right? Yeah, not right there, yes. Somehow the market and seller's expectations are not in equilibrium yet. Correct. The market has went down and seller's expectations are still higher because they think they can still get the pricing, but the challenge is financing. Yeah. And so they have to come down to be able to make 
loans work. Correct. Totally agree. So the deals, a lot of deals I'm underwriting. So from financing point of view, it's coming around, you know, 55 LTVs for fixed loans. It's really challenging to get a good returns for investors with that kind of leverage. Right. And what kind of deal structure as far as two investors are you typically trying to give? What kind of equity, cash flow, or like what returns are you trying to give to your investors? So mainly like 7% preferred and at least 15% IRR, 18 to 20 AAR, so analyzed returns. So those are the returns we are planning to give to investors. Yeah, perfect, right? So that's 16 is realistic, right? It's realistic return. I hear some people say 19, 20. It's like, ah, boy, I'm not even sure that's really realistic, right? Like, I see this all the time. You probably see it too, Rama. People, they talk about their returns, but what they give in their actual reality is way different, super different, right? So yeah, I think if the more that we're honest as syndicators, and I feel like this is where syndicators get a little bit of bad rap, or they're just giving up too much of their money to make those returns where they just take a sliver. And I think I see that a lot as well. So... As you look into your future bowl and for the next five years, what does Rama's life look like? Are you still in your IT job? Or are you gone? I'm completely focusing on multifamily. So I left my IT job this April. So Oh, you already left? Yes. Yeah, baby. <laughs> so you're full on the gas right now. Yes. Oh, that's exciting. And scary at the same time, right? Yeah. <laughs> one deal just doesn't do it. It's not enough, right? You got to go out there and hunt and kill Correct. and find another one. Did you get an acquisition fee from the first one though, right? Yes. Yeah, good, right? It's not enough, but it's enough to go. And then you just like, let's get some more. Right. Right. And so any goals for this 2023? Like how many deals you want to do? Or is there anything specific? Or is it just, I'm going to do as many as I can that, that makes sense? Yeah, definitely as many deals as possible, if it makes sense. So I'm finding right deals and doing good deals. Finding right opportunities is the main thing. Not focusing on number of deals, but finding right deals. Yeah, that is the key. If we do one deal or if we do three deals, as long as they're all good deals, that's yeah. all that matters, right? Yeah. Finding good deals is the key. And because that'll help when you find the good deals, that you can raise the capital. You can get everything kind of makes sense when you find the right deal. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people too try to force bad deals where they're taking less on the GPU to make it work. And those are not safe deals. You want actually fat deals. I always say, when I was in the single family business, my first mentor, Rama, would tell me, only do fat deals. A fat deal can get skinny and it's okay. But if you do a skinny deal and it gets skinnier, that's when you start losing your hair. And, and I mean, I'm a little light on top. Rama's got a little light there too. <laughs> right? Pulling our hair out. So find fat deals. Fat deals are the key, right? Yep. So any books that you've been reading lately that's really just kind of just sing to you? Yeah, there are a couple of books. Uh, one I read, A Completed, Vivid Vision. It's a very, very good book. So other one is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Yeah, Never Split the Difference. That's a good one. I've read that one. That's a great book. Yeah, both of those are good books. I read both of them. Yeah. And and if you could tell anybody that's on the podcast listening right now, like any words of advice, what would you tell them? Mainly like identify your strengths, what is your unique ability and focus on that. So that is my advice. Yeah, focus on what you're good at, right? Stay true to it, right? Yeah. I will tell you this, uh, there's so many ways to make money in real estate and multifamily has been very, very good to me. I enjoy listening to these types of stories. So if people want to learn more about you and your company, where would they find you, Rama? Uh, they can uh, reach me at ushacapital.com slash podcast and also 
I do organize virtual conference. So it's multifamilyap360.com. They can reach out that way. My email is info, info, info at ushacapital.com. U-S-H-A capital.com. That's how they can reach out. Okay. Awesome. Well, listen, I want to thank you for your time and coming in here and sharing that story. It really is neat to see everybody's journey of how they did it exactly. And you just have a true grit story. It's like, I decided I was working my nine to five. I worked on nights and weekends. I developed a passion for it. I went for it all the way. I was able to successfully leave my W-2 and go in full time. It's a very remarkable story, by the way. And thank you for sharing. Guys, if you're listening right now, you may have that desire in your heart. You may want to do something more than you thought you could. And we have a way to do that, by the way. It's called the Kahuna Boardroom. We have our three-day teaching program coming up February 16th through the 18th. And for $19.97, you can get a three-day intensive to learn about this thing called multifamily real estate. So if you're a successful single-family guy that wants to level up or a high-income earner like Rama that's in you know in W-2 that you want to get out of, you want to successfully leave that thing and start living that American dream, go to the Kahuna Boardroom, opt-in. We'd love to see you and have you. You can bring a guest for $1,000, but it's a great opportunity opportunity. But guys, most of this stuff happens. It starts with belief. Rama, before he even really, he had to believe he could. He took some mental storage and he placed something in there, which was an idea that he could be successful. And then he followed that pursuit with relentless passion. Guys, if you start with belief and you put it in there and you meditate on it daily, right? I promise you success will happen to you. If you believe it, guys, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible.